This episode of the GCSAA podcast is presented in partnership with Bayer Environmental Science, a company committed to providing technical expertise and innovative solutions that maximize turf quality and make superintendents' jobs easier. For more information on the company and its offerings in the golf industry, head over to environmentalscience.bear.us and look for the Turf and Ornamentals Management tab at the top of the page. As always, our thanks to everyone at Bear for their continued support of this podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode 34 of the GCSAA podcast, and I'm Scott Hollister, the editor-in-chief of Golf Course Management Magazine and your host, and we're excited to have you with us today. On this episode, we are going to take you inside the shop with a conversation with one of the industry's leading equipment managers, and that's Trent Manning, the equipment manager at Ansley Golf Club in the Atlanta suburb of Roswell, Georgia. Trent has a long track record of service to both the industry and his community. He was the winner of GCM's Most Valuable Technician Award back in 2018, and he is also the host of his very own podcast dedicated to golf course equipment managers called the Real Turf Techs Podcast. And if you haven't already guessed, that's real as in R-E-E-L. Trent is a repeat guest on the GCSA pod, having been with us way back on episode three after he won the MBT. But this time around, we talk less about the award and more about the state of the industry for equipment managers, how uh, the profession has changed over his long tenure in the business, and a little bit about his foray into podcasting. Always great to catch up with Trent, so think you'll get a lot out of our conversation with him today. As always, want to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review the GCSAA podcast if you haven't already done so. Really helps others find the podcast when you do that, so please take a second to help us out wherever it is you get your podcasts. And as an added bonus, you can also access all 33 previous episodes of the podcast and all those same great services, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. So if you missed any of those, you can always catch up by checking out our archive. With that, let's get after it. It's episode 34 of the GCSAA podcast featuring equipment manager Trent Manning. All right, joined by Trent Manning. Um, familiar face, Trent. I think you were on episode three of the GCSA. You are now in an elite group of repeat guests on the podcast. Awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, what, 2018? It was, yeah. The year yeah, the year you won the uh you won the most valuable technician, and I, I was, it was. I went back and listened to a little bit. I didn't want to completely repeat what we talked about on that one, and uh, fortunately, that one. I mean, we talked about your career, and I'll have you rehash a little bit of that. But um, there was uh, a lot of talk about the MVT, which we won't rehash. I'll just let you live in your in your glory of a, of a past uh, most valuable technician win. But um, yeah, it was interesting. To go back. So we we were back then. And we're talking podcast here because, as we'll get to, Trent has a podcast um, that has uh, sort of taken off and one of the reasons we wanted to have him on here. But, um, gosh, we were just getting going back then, and we were doing, I think we were doing three or four interviews per episode. So the episodes were like two hours long, and uh, um, you learn a lot. I'm sure I'm sure you have learned a lot as you've gotten going with, with your endeavor. Yes. No, it's definitely been a, a learning process from all the, you know, electronics that you need to get going and you know how you record it and how you edit it and how you publish it i mean it's just one thing after another yeah yeah it's it sounds it's uh it seems like an easy process and you just see people whipping open their laptops and recording an episode and you know hour later it's on apple but um there's there's far more that goes into that uh than that but um we're boring people with the in, inside world of podcasting but uh for those who may not know trent trent's the equipment manager at ansley golf club in the atlanta area uh two locations uh actually one in midtown atlanta and one out in roswell you spend most of your time at the setting down location isn't that correct that is correct. That's where my main office is, and it's an 18-hole course here, a nine-hole course downtown. We have a full-time mechanic down there at the nine-hole course, so I go down there and assist him from time to time when he needs it. And then I got a couple guys uh, working for me in the shop up here. So we'll stay busy. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, you, you all do uh, as my, my getting out and about and experiencing all that. But uh, seven-year member of GCSA, as we mentioned, uh, Trent was the winner of our Most Valuable Technician Award back in 2018. I'm actually heading out next week, uh, Trent, to uh, present the uh, uh, 2021 version of that award. So that'll be a fun trip. Uh, Brandon Hogue, who's at Glens Falls Country Club up in, in New York. But he's he is joining your crew uh, as past winners. Yeah. Excited about that. He's been a, a longtime volunteer um, at both the local and the national level um, with the Georgia GCSAA and GCSAA, serving on the uh, Equipment Manager Task Group since 2016, um, active on Twitter. And as we mentioned, he is the host of the Real Turf Techs podcast. We'll get into a little bit uh, more about that. But uh, Trent, appreciate you uh, taking some time uh, to join us. Everything uh, everything going well? Your summer probably winding down uh, down there in, uh, in Georgia. Georgia. Yep, we just got our overseed down this week, so we'll be ready to mow, mow ryegrass in ten days. Hopefully, that's great. Did, did you? Yeah. We're getting ready for that right now. Awesome. Did you guys have much trouble getting ryegrass? We just published a story uh, uh, about grass seed availability, prices, and things like that. Did you guys run into any uh, challenges when it came to that? Yeah, uh, it took a lot longer than it normally takes for us to get it. We had ordered it way in advance, and they kept pushing our delivery day back. Uh, I think we paid double what we paid last year. And not just the ryegrass seed, but we're doing like five acres and creeping red fescue in some of our tall rough. And it was supposed to be delivered last week, and then they said it would be this week, and then this week they said two more weeks. Oh wow! So I don't know if we're going to get our red fescue or not. <laughs> yeah, that's well, a it's a common story as we as we learned and we we just started to hear chatter about about availability and and price increases and all and all of that stuff and and not just primarily what we were hearing initially was about overseeding. Um, so ryegrass um, availability and prices, but then it's it sort of spread, and you know it, it's it's into the bents, and um, there's not really a variety that's not been uh, impacted, but just sort of a state of the world. And I guess while we're on the topic, I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but um, are you running? Have you guys noticed anything in terms of? availability of parts or if you were purchasing new equipment and delay delays in that because the the supply chain issues that are affecting everything have, have definitely made their way into uh, into golf course management so are you guys seeing any of that on the ground yeah um, we've experienced it all uh, lucky for us we got some new equipment in early this year but we were talking about some more equipment and this was in March and they were saying that it wouldn't be available till September. Um, we ended up, we pushed it off, deferred it till next year. Um, and the same thing with, uh, parts is, you know, some of the parts you get in a timely manner. And then the other was you might be waiting two, three weeks and we're not used to doing that it's right. a challenge for us because now I'm looking at maybe I need to stock more of these parts. And even some of the common stuff, like bed knives, um, I mean, especially like JRM, uh, one line of the bed knives that I use, they said they're not going to have any for the rest of the year. But wow. They can't get the material to make them. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Fortunately, it's a common story, and I mean, you hear about it in the general press and the news about, you know, you see, I saw just earlier in the week, you know, pictures from uh, the port in Long Beach, California, where there are just container ships backed up waiting to offload very, whatever they're carrying, but because of labor, because there's not enough trucks to actually ship them once you get them off the boats, and, and things, it's just, it's, it's a trickle down, and I think we're all getting used to it, but it's uh, certainly uh, something that I know that superintendents and equipment managers are having to juggle uh, on the ground. Another issue, I think, is the labor shortage. I know one of my distributors, they were close to a week from the time you ordered the part before they ever shipped it out because they were so short on labor. Wow. And they were hiring temp workers to come in and, you know, then you didn't get the correct part <laughs> that you'd ordered, you know, it's just ongoing battles. Yeah, it's, uh, I think we're all got our fingers crossed that as we roll into 2022, that things will start at, start improving on that front, obviously start improving on the, on the COVID front as, as well. We're all very hopeful of that and, you know, keeping our fingers crossed and, 
um, for San Diego and the conference and trade show. And we're, you know, from our perspective, we're full speed ahead on that. And we're all, all signs are, are looking good right now. I know that I think the I think everybody, um, you're a regular attendee. And so I'm sure the, I'm sure the, the virtual event last February filled a bit of a, a void, but there's nothing like being, being together and, and the networking and stuff like that. So all across the board, man, right. just hoping things get back to normal here a little bit. For sure. Um, well, Hey, let's, uh, let's go back for those who maybe don't know your story. Um, uh, we'll just, we'll kind of go back a little bit. How, how did you first, first get into golf? I know you didn't necessarily grow up in a, in a golf family and it was a story maybe where you ended up and a job popped open in the golf industry and the rest is history, but, uh, have, but kind of walk us through what your, what your origin story in the business is. All right. I started in the industry in 1995. In the spring of 95, uh, I was still in high school at the time, and I was a 16-year-old punk kid that just needed a job and uh, wanted to make you know make some money for uh, the obvious things that 16-year-olds spend money on. Right. Um, <laughs> um, and a friend of mine, he actually um, knew the mechanic here at the time. Uh, they lived in the same neighborhood and he'd got a job here. So me and another friend came in for an interview, like on a Saturday morning with the assistant and, you know, real informal interview. Uh, I learned later in life, you don't go to an interview with your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all worked out. And uh, like you can say, the the rest is history. I'm, I'm still at the same course. I took about an eight year uh, break from this course. I built sports fields. I helped build golf courses, maintain construction equipment, building golf courses. And I worked for a Toro distributor for a couple of years as a mobile service tech. And then in 2010, the mechanic that had been here that taught me most of what I know was retiring. So I came back to sitting down, working for the same superintendent that's been here for 33 years, Courtney Young. Yeah. So you've uh, you, you've had a long history there, and clearly, uh, you don't have to see much more than just your tenure there to know that you really kind of found a work home um, there 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 at Ansley. Is there anything in particular about the culture there, the environment, what what Courtney uh, has built, what you've helped build um, in in your time there that that makes it unique, that makes it such a special place for all you guys who who've been there for so long? It's just the culture pretty much that Courtney has put together. And even though me and Courtney don't agree on every single thing, we agree on the main priorities around the course and how it should be operated. Um, he's the type of person that no matter how good the course is, he wants it to be better. And that's how I am. And I've always been that way. Uh, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's the podcast or turning a wrench on equipment, I, I want to be better tomorrow than I was today. And Courtney's the same way. So when you have two people with that philosophy, I just think it makes for a great work environment. Yeah, it's obviously benefit, benefited you, benefited Courtney, benefited the club's uh, members. Um, and I, I know that you you have picked up probably more than, more than your fair share of agronomy as, as well. And we were talking earlier about, about your overseed and stuff. Uh, how comfortable are you in that, in that world after all these years um, uh, in terms of just the agronomic side uh, of the business? I would say I'm pretty comfortable. I mean, after being here for, you know, 25 years and only doing turf my whole career, uh, as far as, you know, the chemicals and the fertilizers and all that stuff, I'm not as good as a lot of superintendents, but I think I could hold my own. And if it came to it and I needed to manage a golf course, I don't think that would be an issue. Yeah, there are few few better educators in that school of school of hard knocks or <laughs> school, right, right, right. School, school of real life. So, um, yeah. and, and you you mentioned that your your time with the Toro distributor Jerry Pate, and you were you were a road technician, and um, I think one of your uh, one of your buds in the business was your, was your cohort on the road. That's Corey Phillips, and fellow uh, MVT winner a few years prior prior to you winning. Um, 
Uh, what was that experience like? I mean, yeah, I, I recall uh, I was rereading um, the story that I did when you won the MVT, and you mentioned you were putting seventy thousand miles plus a year on on you know, the vehicles that you were you were taking out there. I imagine that the the two of you had some stories, but what what was that experience like? Because it's just kind of such a unique uh, kind of job for for this or any industry. Yeah, it was one of the best experiences probably of my career far as gaining knowledge on turf equipment because most of the time if we were working on an issue uh it was because the customer couldn't figure it out and we worked you know alongside a lot of good mechanics that were in the field and whether they could figure it out or not it was you know sometimes it was time sensitive stuff that had to be fixed right then and they were busy doing whatever is under warranty so of course, you're going to have the dealer come out and service it. And But the amount of knowledge that I gained working there in two years is probably equal to 10 years as a golf course mechanic, just because each problem's new. Um, I got to experience uh, a time with some Toro engineers at a, a high-end course, and we were doing we had uh, these gyrometers on an engine and trying to figure out a weird vibration that the engine had on startup. Um, so spending time with people like that, plus Toro offered um, their distributors all kind of training too. And most of it at the time, this was uh, what, 08, 09, it was still online. So a lot of videos that we could watch, right. uh, tests that we could take and and stuff like that. and. So my hydraulic and electrical troubleshooting skills, you know, went through the roof at that point just because of the training I had and I could actually use it in the field too. Yeah, that sounds just a crazy experience. I mean, you're, you're courses of different sizes, types, budgets, static, you might have new equipment, you might have old equipment that you were, you were checking out. So yeah, talk talk about the school of hard knocks i mean you're probably cramming it all in there in just a a short amount of time um one of the other really good things that i liked about that is seeing everybody else's shop yeah and getting all these ideas so a lot of the ideas that i saw in the field working for jerry pate i'm utilizing here at my course Uh, just all these different ideas as far as real storage and can't think of great examples but you pick up a lot of ideas yeah. in all these different shops. So I would encourage anybody that's listening, go visit your neighbor down the road and look at, look around their shop. And yeah. there's a lot to be learned. Yeah. Sometimes the best ideas are borrowed. I won't say stolen, but borrowed. Um, and you know, people have, you're more than likely not the only person to encounter the challenge that you're encountering, whatever the industry is. I, I know, you know, same for me in, in publishing and now in the, in the, you know, digital world that we, that we all inhabit in terms of communications. And sometimes you see things that your competitors are doing. Sometimes you see things that are just um, from completely outside the, the business that you, that you light bulb goes off and you can totally apply that to, to what you're, to what you're doing. So um yeah, that was must have been an uh, unbelievable education. I know you, you and Corey uh, have really, and this is dating back years as as, as you started to organize um, kind of equipment manager education down in your neck of the woods. Are you still you two still involved in that? You still getting together for th- with that lunch bunch of area uh, equipment managers just to kind of trade war stories and uh, and swap ideas and and things like that. That is kind of with COVID. It kind of fell off and we hadn't got it started back up with our local group. Uh, The Georgia, we have a seminar each year in uh, January. Uh, We we ended up pushing it back till May this year. Uh, Next year, we're scheduled to go ahead in January and hopefully we don't have anything come up. But Corey's still helping uh, come up with education ideas. And that has been very valuable to all the technicians in our Georgia chapter, because before not knocking superintendents, but you know, they, they didn't know what we wanted to see. Right. Just, just like, I mean, I wouldn't know what education to put together for a superintendent. Why should a superintendent know what education that 
his equipment manager wants to wants to see. So I, th- yeah. I think it's really good that uh, we're able to help and they let us help and putting that education together. Yeah, I didn't, you know, and that that's a heck of a point about about COVID and the impact and and all of the all of the grassroots sort of conversations and not just equipment managers, but superintendents, assistants, anyone in the business would have over the years at the various events um, kind of just took a, 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 a pause. Were you able to kind of keep yourself, feel like you were still plugged in with your colleagues and, and things like that, whether they were colleagues down there in, in Georgia or, you know, folks you've met um, throughout the country from your from your work with, with GCSA. Were you, were you still able to do that and, and talk shop at any or did you find yourself on a bit of an island? No, I'll tell you one thing that's really helped. And part of this was through the podcast and Real Turf Techs. But we started a WhatsApp group. Okay. And it's all technicians and we were in there every day chit-chatting about this or that. Um, some of it's educational or, you know, we're helping other technicians solve an issue and some of it's just for fun. Like, Hey, look what this operator did today. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, sharing stories like we do. And that's really helped to, to keep a lot of us connected. How many folks are involved in that group? Um, right now there's 45. Okay. Um, and I got the idea, like you're saying, not very many original ideas, but I got the idea from, uh, Jerry Knight. He's a EM up in Canada. I don't remember exactly where he's located, but he had started a WhatsApp group and I was involved with it. And most of it was people in Canada. Okay. And not that, I don't care who, who's in whose group or whatever, but um, I started another group just for more of the, the U.S. folks. Sure. And we still have Canada people in there, too. Um, we got a guy in uh, Bahrain and oh, wow. an interesting uh, talking to him and hearing has a whatever under. No, I don't remember. Like, plenty hot. Yeah, yeah, plenty hot. Plenty hot. <laughs> you know, you know, 130 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't remember. Holy what. cow. Uh, Celsius, but yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, that'll that'll uh, that'll create some uh, challenges for uh, for engines and whatnot. I imagine. Yeah, Holy cow! Yeah, and all the dust and yeah, it's terrible. Well, well, it's awesome. You're able to kind of keep in touch, and that kind of spills into the next thought. And I just wanted to kind of touch on a little state of the industry um, as, as it relates to the equipment management side of golf course management. Um, we talked uh, we talked at the top about. Seed prices, seed availability, how that's extended uh, into parts in the equipment side. But what right now? What, what's when you guys talk? Is it? Are there any overarching issues that that seemed that seem to come up uh, among you guys, or is it really more focused on just kind of the individual battles you're fighting within your own shops? No, I think a lot of us have the the same struggles with um, difficulty getting equipment difficulty getting parts the price of parts and equipment going up you know more than you think it would more than your average three percent i've talked to several guys that you know they're looking at seven eight even ten percent increase in equipment you know in a year's time which is kind of crazy and then the labor shortage whether it be in your parts and they don't have labor to ship it or uh, finding somebody to work in the shop and not just work in the shop, but work on the crew. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a struggle finding somebody that will run a weed eater for six hours, eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. And that, that's pretty universal wherever you are right now. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I know that here, here in the Midwest, uh, th- those challenges are, are prevalent. And I've, t- I, I can't tell you the number of superintendents or EMs that I've talked to where they've described, shortages of three and four positions that they're budgeted for say 15 people on a crew including the super and the assistant and the em and they might be at nine or ten and so they've got they could hire as many as four or five other people and they just uh they just can't right now and so i know that there are a, a lot of guys i don't know i don't know if you're putting in much time on a mower um just to to make to to help cover cover bases um but i'm more and more uh superintendents are saying they're going to maybe going to a board meeting in the morning and then coming back and changing out of their suit and getting back on a, on a back of a 
mow roughs or whatever. Um, so it's a, a universal issue right now. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Courtney, he's been all week sitting on an excavator dipping a lake out. Wow. You know, and not not that he's too good to do that. That's one thing. I, another reason I like working for him is he's not scared to get his hands dirty and he'll get yeah. in there and get after it. Um, you can always appreciate working for somebody like that. But I um, agree with you. I think a lot of people are having to deal with that. I know yeah. the assistants here, the superintendent here, you see a lot more people on mowers and sprayers right? management-wise than you used to. Yeah, and I would assume, <laughs> I know what I'm like in my job, um, as specific to the magazine. And, I, you know, I didn't get in into journalism to manage people and do budgeting and things like that. But that's what, that's what takes up a lot of my time. So when I do get an opportunity to write and to interview and do those things that first attracted me to the business, it's kind of it's kind of fun. And I'm sure there are guys out there that are, are kind of, they probably get a little moment in the mornings when they're, if they're out there cutting cups or something that they haven't done for a while, um, they probably enjoy it a little bit, but I'll tell you what I, after if they have to do it for two, three, two, three years running, they're probably not going to like it quite as, quite as much considering all the other duties that just won't go away. So, yes, that's but, but well, Hey, you, you got, um, so you spent a lot of time there. You've, you kind of, you, you talked about some of the, some of the communities you've, you've been a part of and helped, helped build. And you, you've really kind of stepped forward and taken a, a big role in, in service, uh, whether it's to the Georgia chapter or with that, the EM, EM task group. Um, I know you had a, you had a good mentor there in Courtney who uh, is certified golf course superintendent. So he's, oh, he's been very, very involved in that. Um, as well, but um, what first interested you? And in, okay, I, I, this is something I think I need to do in my role here. And um, you know, gosh, what are some of the benefits maybe that you have seen just over your years of involvement and in service, both in Georgia and and nationally? Yeah, without Courtney's support, I wouldn't be here where I'm at. Obviously. So I need to say that first and foremost, working for somebody like him that, I mean, I'm pretty good at pushing myself, but it helps when you have somebody else pushing you too. And he was never able to be too active in any of the associations because of the what the club was. The club, you know, didn't want him to be active in this. Um, and it's changed since uh, we merged with Ansley. And he can take more of a, an active role in uh, doing service work. Right. But uh, the service work for me, I've always, you know, I'm just always wanting to get better. I'm always wanting to help people. And I think that's pretty true for most EMs. You'll find that we're giving people. Uh, we want to help people all we can. And that's probably the biggest reason I started wanting to to volunteer and uh, help out where I could, but the amount of knowledge that I've gained from helping out is unbelievable. Uh, like sitting on the task group and helping write the EMCP exams and writing right. test questions and working with a psychometrician, which I didn't even know what that was. I didn't <laughs> look it up, um, but learning how a test question should be written and on. Well, I don't know. I wish I had the number. I'm sure somebody in your staff has the number of hours we set oh, yeah. on a on a phone call with other EMs than most of us are like-minded and the knowledge that we gain from each other. I think it was across the board. We were all learning as we were writing yeah. the test. And the people you meet, too, the networking, the the different folks, I mean, I wouldn't have met half the people that I know right now if it wasn't for either volunteering at Eastlake for a PGE tour event sure. or uh, volunteering for the task group or helping out our uh, people here in Georgia. Yeah. We'll get back to this episode in a moment, but right now, a word from the proud sponsor of the GCSA podcast, and that's Bear, a company committed to supporting golf course superintendents as they strive to maintain consistently beautiful and healthy turf. Right now, through the Fall Solutions Early Order Program, Bear is offering discounts and rebates on its leading portfolio of innovative products and solutions. Superintendents can stock up and save big on the latest innovations and agronomic pairings from Bear. 
like Tetrino, which sets new benchmarks in white grub and ABW control, and Densacore, a powerful new DMI fungicide that provides next-level control of the top five most problematic turf diseases without thinning your turf. You can also save big on the products that are a part of Bayer's Pre-3 program, including Spectacle Flow and Tribute Total, designed to offer outstanding control of poa anua and winter broadleaf weeds. Now through December 6th, Bayer's Fall Solutions Early Order Program offers four ways to save, including off-invoice discounts, select product rebates, tier rebates, and agronomic pairing incentives. Order early and save big with Bayer's Fall Solutions Early Order Program. Contact your Bayer representative today or visit es.bayer.us fall solutions to learn more about how to save on the products you need to make next year your best year yet. Always read and follow label instructions. Not all products are registered in all states. As always, our thanks to everyone at Bear for their support of the podcast. And now back to this episode. I've heard more than one person say that, you know, giving back in that way. And, and I've done a little myself. I don't, I wouldn't, I, I know what committee and task group members contribute to GCSAA. I know what our board of directors in terms of time and commitment and all those things, what, what they invest in it. And I won't, I won't pretend that what I have done in, in my little corner of the world equals that, but they always say you get more out of it than you put into it. And, um, I, I have heard that more than once. I know it's true for myself. And so, um, I, I, when I have folks like you on or interview folks for, for magazine stories or whatnot, I always like to go down that road because there's always going to be someone listening or, or reading that may have in the back of their mind thought, man, man I kind of want to kind of want to do that and maybe make this more, you know, just really invest more in, into my career. And, um, I think it's a pretty universal fact that you're going to get, you're going to get benefits out of it. As much as you put in, you'll get way more back uh, from doing stuff like that. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I got an email just yesterday from an EM that had been listening to the podcast, really enjoying it. Um, and he was asking, you know, some of these same questions on how can I be more involved? So I was trying to give him some pointers on that. And he was talking about volunteering at a PGA event and it doesn't matter, you know, if it's PGA or USGA or whatever kind of, if you have an opportunity, just go do it. Yeah. It's a great networking opportunity. You're going to, you're going to learn something. You're going to make some friends. Just do it. Yeah. You're not going to sleep much, but it's all, it's all worth it. I just, I just, I did four days of, of, uh, four thirty call times at, at Whistling Straits early last week. And, uh, yeah, it's about the closest I get to feeling like a superintendent or an EM is when I, when I go out and do those things. And, uh, of course, there's certain lessons I haven't learned. I didn't bring my headlamp, which is, is at four. It's pretty dark at four thirty morning most most parts of the world. So you might need that. But um, well, we've mentioned the podcast several times. Let's let's chat a little bit about that. Where did the idea come from? How did how did you get inspired to to, to start uh, Real Turf Techs? Well, I enjoyed consuming podcasts. Um, they. I think it had been a, a few people in the industry that was trying to start a podcast and I enjoyed listening to them, but they weren't very consistent. Right. And nobody had a podcast just for equipment managers or technicians. And I thought, why not? <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I don't got anything better to do. Why not? <laughs> so we started the podcast. Uh, well, it was about a year, I guess, in the making. So I spent about a year just trying to get some of my ducks in a row and, you know, what questions am I going to ask and all this stuff. And I was honestly dragging my feet thinking, you know, is this, do I really need to do this? Do I really not? So anyway, 20, uh, March of this year, uh, we dropped our first episode and I batched about three episodes. So they all went out uh, first week of March and mainly just advertising through networking on Twitter and it was received really, really well. And originally I'd planned on only releasing the episode every other week. And several of the listeners said, Hey, why don't you do it every week? And I said, Hey, okay. (laughs) Now we're uh, dropping an episode every week. It is uh, quite time consuming, but I'm not overwhelmed and I'm not burnt out yet. All the feedback I've got has been positive. I've not had a single negative comment. 
um, this has been, it's been great. Yeah. No, I, uh, it, it, I, I can appreciate your, uh, the, the challenges from a, from a workload standpoint, I, we're doing about a, uh, one a month, but that consistency is really important to building, uh, a, a good listenership. And in a lot of cases, you know, things are popping up on feeds, people are subscribing. So when a new episode drops, uh, they know it. And, but I, you're, you're trying to develop habits, um, with, with listeners and, and that frequency is great. So how many episodes have you done in total now? Yesterday was number 30, number 30. You're catching up. You're catching up. I got I got some work to do. I got to stay ahead of you. That's going to be, that's going to be a lot. I'll just keep talking to you and then we'll have, then I'll just, I'll be able to keep one ahead of you the whole time. Um, and, um, it, it, real turf text. It's real R E E L. Um, in case people, if you're listening to this and you didn't know that it was going to be R E E L, you, you're, you're, you come on, wake up a little bit. Um, but, uh, where can, where can folks find the podcast? Any of the podcast players, okay. Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, it's kind of funny. It's one of those nerdy things that I enjoy doing is looking at the stats. And most people are listening on Spotify, followed by Apple. Yeah. That, that's where most people are listening. Yeah, we're, we're right about 50-50 between those two. And then you see, see a handful of ones on Google and um, Stitcher as well. And uh, we, uh, we're also, we have the benefit of releasing on the GCSA website. And um, so they're all, they're all available there and we can track, we can track listens there through uh, our hosting uh, service for that. But yeah, I get, I get into that as well. And you can see some like the geographic breakdown of where people are listing. You're like, Oh, look at that. I got a listener, I got a listener in Australia. That's fantastic. I, <laughs> I don't know how you found it, but that's great. So, um, where do you, where do you see this going? Are you just, are you kind of enjoying, you think you've, have you kind of fallen into a flow and, um, or do you, or do you have designs on doing anything with video or anything like that going forward? Well, Scott, there's always a lot of stuff going through the great brain. <laughs> there um, yeah. So right now, I'm happy with the podcast and how everything's going. Um, I'm sure we'll change it up a little bit here or there, um, you know, adding different questions, maybe taking some questions away. I do want to get more into the video stuff. Um, so that's another thing. I bought a camera about, I don't know, a month ago. So I'll have to drag my feet for about a year yeah. with that. And then hopefully we can uh, start doing some videos and start a YouTube channel. And I would encourage anybody, if you want a podcast, if you want a video, just do it. Get the content out there. And there's plenty of people to consume it. Yeah. There is a, there's a podcast for everything now, they say. And and I, I think they're getting, we're getting close. There, there may be certain, there may be certain areas that don't have their own podcast yet, but uh, I know they're really becoming prevalent here. And this industry is, I mean, it's, it's tailor-made. I mean, you folks can, as long as they're doing it safely, obviously that, you know, if, if you're operating certain equipment, you can, you can catch up on podcasts. If you're in the shop working and most people have radios playing. You could also have podcasts playing while you're doing that. I know, you know, I, uh, I my own personal consumption is when I drive to and from Lawrence, because um, I, li I live in the Kansas City area, so I've got about a 40-minute commute one way when I go in the office. Um, so I'm catching up there. And when I've been working at home uh, during the pandemic, I, in the mornings, I'll, as I'm starting my day, I've got podcasts playing. So um like anything, I, I always have too many books to read, too many new records or albums to listen to, and now I've just increased TV shows. Now mm. my my Netflix lists and Amazon Prime lists are completely out of control, and that's the way my podcasts are. So I have way too many podcasts I want to listen to. But um, better that better that than than to stay bored. I know you don't stay bored very often. Um, Outside of work, are you? I, I, you're still doing your work with the search and rescue unit there. Is it Cherokee County? Yep, good memory. Yeah, thank you, Cherokee, Cherokee County. Um, I'm still on the search and rescue team there as an assistant team leader. Uh, lucky for us, it's been a, a slow year. Um, not very many call outs, so that's always a good thing. And I think a lot of it is our county just keeps growing, so right. we have as many wilderness areas that we once did. Right. And everybody has a cell phone now. So yeah, it helps too. 
And it's pretty interesting just for the listeners. If you call 911 before the phone rings at 911 dispatch, your GPS location shows up. Oh, wow. Cell phone. Yeah, it was really, really yeah. technology. Uh, and I don't remember exactly what it's called. Um, so if somebody calls in and they're lost, we have their GPS coordinates right there. Wow. So then they usually don't need the search and rescue team because they know where you're at. So it's just a fire department call and they'll get somebody out there and, and find find you, help you out. There any, uh, I know you've done that for a lot of years. Do you have any, are there one, you know, cases that stick with you that were on a good side? I'm not, you know, I'm sure there's could be the potential for difficult situations, but you know, particular good outcomes that just stick with you or interesting stories that, that came out of all that work? Um, I would say some of the, the most entertaining stories <laughs> are when we're searching for someone and we have a police officer get turned around and lost. Oh, wow. <laughs> during the search, that has happened more than more than once. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's probably some of the, the most entertaining things. Like, uh, we we found who we're looking for. Now we got to go look for this cop. Yeah, we got to. We have to. He's got turned around. We have to search for the searchers who were, yes. <laughs> who were doing all that. Yeah, I, I have a. Um, I'm kind of intrigued by it. I have a very good friend who lives in Idaho and he is an avid outdoorsman. And a couple of years back, uh, he and uh, another person I've gotten to know um, basically got lost. And they, these, these, these are seasoned outdoorsmen who know the terrain. They know what to do in the mountain and they just got uh, mountains and they just got turned around and they had a very similar um uh, volunteer search and rescue outfit that stepped up, um, and uh, they were they were kind of missing for just under two days wow. um, before. Yeah, um, it, it, it was pretty hairy. Um, you always had faith because they were such experienced outdoorsmen, um, and uh, they luckily ran into a National Forest Service crew. Um, that was doing some trail work and, and we're out. But um, once all that dust settled, I kind of was thinking about that and uh, thought about your work there a little bit. And uh, um, it's valuable, valuable work that um, I'm always surprised. I don't, are you funded at all by the County? uh, We have a small budget from the County where we'll buy radios and, you know, some equipment. Most everybody on the team kind of supplies their own equipment. Um, far as you know, your pack and your sure. compass, and uh, the county does supply us with the, uh, like I said, the radios and GPS units. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, and we have you know all the support of the county if we're out on a call. Yeah. So we'll have the, yeah fire crews out there and the ambulances, and uh, the county also has a mobile command truck. Uh, pretty interesting piece of equipment with all kind of. Uh, radio communications in there, uh, plotter, computers, um, and, you know, with it being 2021, there's a lot of software for uh, tracking searchers or tracking where your subject is. Um, And there's a lot of science that goes into um, where a subject might go, depending on the subject's process profile there's a guy uh can't remember his name but he wrote a whole book on the tendencies so say you are a hiker you are more likely to go this direction um whether it be uphill downhill um versus somebody that you know has no outdoor experience um anyway yeah very interesting book yeah, I, I've done I've done a little. I mean, the the outfit up in uh, up in Idaho that um, assisted is is totally self funded. Um, they obviously are like you guys are supported by local law enforcement and fire departments and uh, ambulance companies and, and whatnot when when incidents occur. But um, they're fully self funded. They have some ins with folks, and so there was like some air support. Um, stuff because this is this was um kind of north of boise it was it was a pretty it was a pretty uh it was wilderness um in in that in that environment and so um it took some resources and um 
it's just been interesting to I've learned way more about it uh, since since all that happened. But so so good on you for doing that. I think that's a thank you. That's a, that's an awesome awesome thing uh, to do, and it's, it is very 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 valuable. And fortunately, most people won't ever need it. But it's uh, good to know that if they ever if they're ever walking with a police officer and they get turned around, they're completely lost in the woods. They'll they'll know where to go. So. That's right. <laughs> so, and are you are you still bar, uh, judging barbecue? I am not judging barbecue, but I'm still consuming. Consuming barbecue? Yes. A lot of barbecue. I have never been an official judge. I have been an official consumer many, many, many times. <laughs> so, so what places in Kansas City do you, do you get to when you, uh, when you, when the times you get to come here for uh, various task groups and whatnot? Q39. Oh yeah. Q39, hands down, best ribs I've ever had. And I've had a lot of ribs yeah. from all over. Um, really good ribs. Uh, Joe's. Yeah. The man. Yeah. That's, that's a sandwich. Very good. Yep. Um, very good. And if anybody is in Kansas city and they fly in, uh, Scott's kitchen, it's right close to the airport. Okay. Um, it's kind of a hole in the wall, but it's some of the best barbecue I've ever had. Really? Um, yeah. The Scott, the guy that owns it, super nice guy. He always comes out and talks to you, chit chats, you know, where are you going? You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but really good barbecue. Man, that's two out of three. I did not know about Scott's Kitchen. And I will, you know, I, I any any community that's got a, a, a cuisine that's that's specialized to them there's always going to be places you don't know about but uh yeah your first two recommendations are 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 uh, spot on um and do you have a preference uh Kansas City Texas Carolina style Memphis I don't I have to say eastern carolina with the vinegar based barbecue sauce is mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite pulled pork okay uh, yeah if you want to talk brisket I don't. Joe's brisket was really, really good. So, yeah. And I hadn't had any brisket from Texas, but that is on my list. Yes. <laughs> I'm in Texas. It's yeah. They, brisket. I, I try. I try not to get too provincial about it. Being a Kansas City guy, it, it's hard not to. Uh, I'm. I'm very supportive of that. And. Um, but I don't know. It's like a lot of foods that everyone loves. I, I don't know if I've had bad barbecue. Um, well, uh, I've had, yeah, I, I've had some barbecue might not be quite as good as others, but it still was pretty darn good. So, yeah. But well, listen, Trent, I uh, I appreciate taking some time to chat. I know you're you got a million things going on, and always good to, uh, always good to catch up with you. And um, uh, so uh, once again, tell folks where they can uh, can listen and find the podcast. Pretty much any, anywhere, right? Yep, any uh, podcast player at Real Turf Techs. And if you want to look us up on uh, Twitter, we're at Real Turf Techs on Twitter. Awesome, awesome. And you are you still doing much on your uh, personal account? Is it M Trent Manning? Correct yeah. uh, on Twitter. It's, yep, okay. at M Trent Manning. Yeah, I'm on both of them. Great. I switch back and forth, and uh, yeah, if I, I I get confused sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> back and forth. So sometimes I'm replying from Real Turf. You sometimes. Your 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 uh, multimedia presence is expanding to the point you can't control it. You just you're, you're yeah. I'm, I'm borderline needing an assistant now that's right. to control all this stuff. You do. You, we we all need we all need those. So well, Trent, uh, appreciate it. I know that if anyone out there has any questions, you know, curious about. Anything we talked about, podcasting, about the industry, about getting involved with GCSAA, or just about uh, the business in general, that uh, Trent is kind of an open door. Um, So I'm sure sure you would be willing to anyone reach out on on social media uh, platforms. Um, He's a great resource, and he will not steer you wrong. Trust me. Oh, well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Trent, always great great to talk to you. Yeah, sure. One thing before we go. Uh, if you haven't already, EMCP level one and two, take it because we're getting ready to roll out C10, the certified turf equipment man. That's exactly right. That's a, yeah, and, and as you described, you've had a, a huge role in 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 kind of getting those programs launched. And I, I meant to ask you, what sort of practical impact have you seen from that? How rewarding has that been for you? For someone who just kind of came up through the business, kind of learned on the job, then kind of got your education post, post getting into the business. Um, how, how big, how cool has that been for you to kind of see this now formalized program that's de- de- developed that's just for equipment managers? I think it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I'm so honored to been able to be a small part of it. Um, 
because I think, you know, 20 years ago, we were borderline grease monkeys. And yeah. a lot of people thought, oh, yeah, that's the guy that works on the lawnmowers and that's the guy that works on the golf carts. Um, so I think a lot more people are getting an understanding of what we actually do, um, largely in part of GCSAA and all y'all have done for us. Um, just getting getting the word out. And, I mean, the, the MVT award also, yeah. um, and all those articles, I mean, you write the articles so you know what these people are doing. They're not just uh, Sharpman mowers and right. golf carts. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been eye opening. It's been rewarding, um, as I always say when I make the presentation. You know, when you come to town with a oversized check and a big plaque, everyone's happy to see you. So it's one of my funnest trips I get to do. I get to do every year, but it is super cool to meet meet the you know everyone in different parts of the country, different parts of the world. We got to go up into Canada with with one of our uh, with one of our awards. So it's been a great it's been a great program. Foley Company's been an awesome awesome supporter. Uh, of that all along, and um, and kudos to you and and all your fellow EMs who've kind of kind of stepped up to help GCSA. You know, we we and I say that as a broader association couldn't do it without the kind of practical knowledge you guys bring bring to that. So kudos to you, and uh, yeah, get out there and get out there and take those programs before they step it up one more level. So again, Trent Manning, everyone, thanks for joining us, Trent. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GCSAA podcast. My thanks once again to Trent Manning for joining us for episode 34. Hope you learned a little about the state of the golf equipment management business, his foray into podcasting. And again, you can find Trent's Real Turf Text podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. Um, His love of good barbecue, search and rescue, all sorts of good stuff with Trent Manning on this episode. We will be back very soon with another episode of the podcast. But until then, my thanks go out to our editor and engineer, Evan Bissell, to everyone at Bear for their continued support of the podcast, to the nine members of the GCSAA Board of Directors, to all my coworkers and colleagues at GCSAA headquarters in Lawrence, Kansas, and of course, my thanks to you for subscribing, downloading, and listening. Till we meet again, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will catch up again very soon on the next episode of the GCSA podcast.